listening to Hope Signals with Mark and Susan Mason, the podcast of Life on the Verge Ministries. Hope Signals is a podcast where we offer practical principles and motivational insights aimed at helping people navigate their hopes and dreams. All right, this is part two of Shots Fired, the series, and I want to start by reading uh, a section from the book uh, Live Not By Lies by Rod Dreher. He talks about uh, how totalitarianism is sneaking up on the United States of America, and he interviewed uh, a number of people that came through uh Communist Russia or the USSR, and uh, how they are attesting to the fact that they're seeing hints of totalitarianism creeping up, the same kind of thing that happened in the USSR early on. As a matter of fact, there was a, a Chinese lady in the news recently who was talking about how she came to America to escape what she's actually starting to see in America uh, and in the government and that kind of thing. And so I want to read this section, and uh, then, then we'll, we'll take off from there. He says, This totalitarianism won't look like the USSRs. It's not establishing itself through hard means like armed revolution or enforcing itself with gulags. Rather, it's exer- it exercises control, at least initially, in soft forms. This totalitarianism is therapeutic. It masks its hatred of dissenters from its utopian ideology in the guise of helping and healing. A totalitarian society is one in which an ideology seeks to displace all prior traditions and institutions with the goal of bringing all aspects of society under the control of that ideology. A totalitarian state is one that aspires to nothing less than defining and controlling reality. Truth is whatever the rulers decide it is. As part of its quest to define reality, a totalitarian state seeks not just to control your actions, but also your thoughts and emotions. The ideal subject of a totalitarian state is someone who has learned to love Big Brother. Today's totalitarianism demands allegiance to a set of progressive beliefs, many of which are incompatible with logic and certainly with Christianity. Compliance is forced less by the state than by elites who form public opinion and by private corporations that, thanks to technology, control our lives far more than we would like to admit. So, what do we do? I'm going to get to that, but let me just give you a quick update. We are in Virginia Beach, about to head to Gloucester, Virginia. As you may hear some noise. We're banging around. Susan is... uh, making coffee and packing things up. Say hi, Susan. Hi, Susan. Uh, We just came off a great weekend at uh, Christ Fellowship Church in Norfolk, Virginia. We love those folks dearly, by the way. They have supported Life on the Verge from the very, very beginning. They're in the top rung of financial supporters. They're a small church, but they're doing big things. Let me tell you that. Um, Pastor Chris Amos, as a matter of fact, is the former officer that I spoke about in part one of this series that was shot off of his bicycle. Um, 
If you haven't listened to that, listen to the first one before you listen to this one, because I'll lean on that. Um, but they also are the church that bought Matt the guitar that he has played worldwide. He's played it on national TV. He's played it on all of his recordings. Years ago, I, I posted a GoFundMe to try to buy my son a decent guitar. He, he needed a decent, he was playing a piece of junk. And before anybody donated, Pastor Chris contacted me and said, I think our church is supposed to buy Matt that guitar. And indeed, they did. And so we had a wonderful time with them. And uh, then uh, we'll be heading, I think, we're going to Lighthouse this weekend. Lighthouse is where we got our start in full-time ministry. We went there in 1991. We bought a house in Gloucester, Virginia, started volunteering there. I was a police detective. Susan was waiting tables at a local restaurant. We were raising our family, and we just got involved in the church. Four years later, we were in full-time ministry. The Lighthouse launched us, trained us, helped us, and so we are looking forward to being with them. If you're in the area, come on by and see us. We are still building out our calendar for uh, August through October. We booked a couple of prisons in Florida. We've booked a couple in Texas, uh, but we've got many more that we're just waiting to finalize the details on. And if you don't get our emails, just contact me at Mark at Life on the Verge if you'd like to. I try to only send an email out once a week, uh, maybe even less than that, once every other week, something like that. If you'd like to keep up with what we're doing, uh, read our, our newsletter and that kind of thing. So, anyway, I also want to say, I'm not going to be shy about it, um, we are raising $40,000 for a new truck, not a new truck, actually it'll probably be about a 2014, but uh, a truck that we can carry our gear to the prison. We tow our vehicle and then we unhook the vehicle full of gear that we take to the prison. And right now the vehicle we have has 221,000 miles on it. It's still running fine, but we're trying to be preemptive on this. We need the storage space of a long bed pickup as well. Uh, we are always crammed uh, for storage. And so we need the power. And uh, frankly, we need something a little newer. You know, this vehicle has kind of gotten to the point where little things are breaking on it all over like door locks and windows and electronic stuff and it's almost not worth it to keep fixing that stuff we'll keep the vehicle but we need something a little more roadworthy we don't want to wait till we're broke down crying help um we we want to be preemptive about this so if you'd like to donate to that just please make your gift uh and leave us a, a statement that that's what it's for and we will designate it for that okay back to this idea of shots fired in this totalitarianism that seems to be leaning or seems to be uh, creeping in on this country. It is true, man. I mean, for real, for crying out loud. It's like, you know, one of the reasons, and listen, this is not a political message. This is going to be a biblical message. But let's face it, the reason that I think Trump snuck up on everybody and got elected over Hillary Clinton is because many conservatives didn't speak out because they were afraid of being ostracized. Now, I don't think that's American at all. I, I think that we should be, you know, there's many people out there now that um, are being ostracized because they're saying negative things uh, about the COVID lockdowns or the COVID uh, vaccines. My gosh, Eric Clapton, one of my heroes, guitar player, um, he got the vaccine and had some pretty serious adverse side effects. And he came out publicly basically just to say people need to be aware that there are side effects. As a matter of fact, um, I, there may be, there probably is an American version of this, but there's a thing called the yellow card um, in Britain or in the UK 
that if you search that yellow card COVID, COVID vaccine, Britain or something like that in Google, you can pull up a PDF of all the adverse reactions that people have reported to these vaccines. And again, this isn't a pro or con vaccine podcast. Okay, the point is, is one of the most dangerous things that seems to be uh, happening in our country is the attack against the freedom of speech. You know, people being ostracized and people kind of being roped into uh, or, or corralled into a way of thinking. And if you don't think this way, then you're going to be blackballed. You know, you, you're going to be ostracized. And, and I hate that. I welcome, if you, if you disagree with what I have to say, you have every right to say something about it. We don't have to agree. That's the beauty of America, is that we can all have a point of view. And, uh, you know, even if we disagree, uh, we, we can agree to disagree. But that is the scary thing that seems to be on it. Uh, seems to be under attack in America that bothers me the most is freedom of, of speech. And uh, at least in today's day and age, it seems as, and some of the people in, in uh, Roger Herr's book the, said that that was one of the things that frightened them most was that they were like in a coffee shop and started to talk out loud about some conservative views. And somebody said, you better lower your voice in here. That's horrible. Really? What in the world are we doing? I mean, uh, and again, this is not a, a political message, conservative or, or liberal. It, it's, a, it's about, I do see that we're kind of being corralled into a way you're going to think like this, whether you like it or not, or else, you know, and, and it leans in the direction of what will happen one day when the Antichrist says you're not going to be able to buy or sell unless you go along with this program. That is totalitarianism, and I believe that we've got to return fire against that. And how we do that um, isn't really, uh, we don't have to become an unwilling martyr. <clears throat> By that, I mean, we don't have to start uh, picket lines and post all kind of stuff on social media. I mean, if that's your deal, you have every right to do it. Okay, I just think there's wiser ways to do it. And obviously, some of the people with Marxist thought and communist thought figured out a wiser way to do it, too. They educated themselves. They invaded our colleges and began to teach that thought and creep it into every little thing into our education system. And it took years. It took generations. You know, recently, um, I saw a, a post by a guy that's one of my Facebook friends. I don't really know him other than we're both musicians. And I... I do not think he's a believer at all. Um, but he posed the question, well, if we're going to defund the police with this rise in, in violence, what are we supposed to do? Are we to defend ourselves or, or what do we do? And it, and it really wasn't a, um, uh, it wasn't posted as a, a statement of, of what he believed. He just wanted honest opinions about how do we handle this. And I replied to it and, and I was surprised seven or eight people um, liked it that follow him that, I, again, I don't really know. Some of them, though, I looked at their profiles, and they're clearly liberal thinkers. Um, I simply said, these things aren't solved with a politician. They're solved in a generation. I raised my family around the dinner table, teaching them the values that I wanted them to have. And today, they're grown, and they're raising their families the same way, and so far, so good. That's all I said. But it is true. There is no 
politician that's going to save the day. Um, it, it is a generational thing. And ultimately, we as believers, by the way, we have dual citizenship. We have citizenship in the kingdom of God, which should be our priority, uh, but also citizens in a democratic or a republic, okay? So we we have rights and opportunities that uh, Jesus and the biblical figures of the New Testament didn't have. We can vote. Um, we, we, we can uh, speak out. We can do those things uh, that they couldn't do under Roman rule, which was a dictatorship. And so we should. But how do we do that? And I said in the first episode of this podcast that we've got to keep a firm grip. I use the illustration from uh, my police academy days when the, the guy, the, the instructor would walk up and down the firing line as we were shooting and he would say, firm grip, front sights, smooth trigger press. Firm grip, front sights, smooth trigger press. And so in the first episode, I talked about keeping a firm grip on truth. First of all, we've got to know what God said so that we can recognize anti-biblical things. Um, before we try to respond, we got to know what God said. What did God say? What did the what what does the word of God say? And that's why I think it's important to not only be in the word of God, we should be. The Bible says that the Bereans were considered of more noble character because they searched the scriptures daily to see if what the apostle Paul said was true. So we need to be in the Bible studying it for ourselves, but we also need to be under the preaching of the Word of God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter, I want to say four, that God gave the church pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, and apostles for the equipping of the church. God raises up people to study the Word and to proclaim it. And we need to be under that preaching, but we need to study the word to make sure that our pastors and teachers aren't getting too far off base. None of them are perfect, okay, um, but but we need to be under the preaching of the word. We need to seek out preachers that are preaching the word of God. I believe that there's a lot of preachers out there that are preaching a watered-down message. I mean, you know that's true. Um, it, it's almost not what some of modern day preachers are saying it's what they're not saying that bothers me. The parts of scripture they're not teaching. They should be teaching the whole counsel of God. One of those areas is is about, you know, the return of Christ, the rise of the Antichrist. And not we the pendulum kind of goes too far one way than too far the other. You know, when I was being raised as a child, man, it was like Jesus is coming tomorrow. And uh, it was just extreme. People were setting dates and will Christ return before 1988? I still have that book on my shelf. Obviously, he didn't. If he did, I missed the boat. But so then we go, oh, gosh, we're, we're, we're so bad that way. It goes the other way to where we never talk about these things. And I think that's almost where a lot of churches are. We do need, not every Sunday, it doesn't need to be the main theme of our church. Jesus is coming back. We better be ready every Sunday. But we do need to realize he is coming back. We do need to realize that Paul said there would be an Antichrist. The book of Revelation talks about the Antichrist, a figure, a government figure that would rise and, and eventually call himself God. And we wouldn't be able to buy or sell without the number of the beast. Coincidentally, it says a number. And I talked about the fact that we can't even buy a tomato today without it having a number that you scan. Everything is tracked, computerized, and... Uh, 
And so we do need to think about those things. Yes, Jesus is returning. Read Matthew chapter 24 very carefully. In a day and an hour that you least expect it. You know, it'll be as in the days of Noah. People were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and then it came on them like a trap. And so we do need to be aware. We do need to be ready. I think I did a whole podcast on stay ready, stay full, stay busy. You know, that that's where we ought to be. We've got to keep a firm grip on truth. What does the Bible say um, in regard to uh, the day and age that we live in? Or, or as, you know, Jesus said it would be as birth pains, that things would get earthquakes and pestilences and diseases and famines and all those things would get worse, closer together like contractions, a pregnant woman before the return of Christ. So those things are coming. Paul said in in one of the Thessalonians books, it's in the first episode, by the way, um, about how the Antichrist would rise. And then because people refused to believe the truth, God would send strong delusions so that they would believe a lie. That is frightening, my friend. So we've got to keep a firm grip on truth. I talked about how we've got to uh, establish credibility in the world that we live in in order to convey that truth and how we need to teach that truth to our children. That's the most important. Or uh, young people that are around us. Uh, the best that we can convey the truth. I talked about how Joshua died and a generation rose up. It's in uh, Judges, uh, the book of Judges. A generation rose up and did not know God and the things he had done for Israel. I, I feel like our society has, has done a lot of that. We failed to convey the gospel, the truth of the word of God to the rising generation. Okay, this is a podcast about fulfilling our dreams in life. And you're going, well, what in the world? Where I'm all over the place here. Well, this is how this plays in. I'm going to this idea of front sights. Front sight. Firm grip, front sights. Well, many people, when they shoot a firearm, and again, this isn't a message about shooting firearms. This is just an illustration. They will put their primary focus on the target that's, say, 10 yards down, 20 yards down, so they raise a pistol and they focus on the target while the sights of the gun are blurry. And, and that you're not going to hit your target that way, or you're going to be lucky if you do. Your primary focus is to be on the front sights of the, the gun. The target will be fuzzy in the distance, but your focus must be on the front sights to hit the target. And so my illustration there is comes from Acts chapter 1. It says that um, Jesus w- was with, with the, the uh, believers, and in verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. In other words, are you going to be coming back as the king uh, over the earth? And he, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm going to contest that our front sights, the primary thing that we should be focused on is being a witness 
for the gospel. Witnesses testify. Witnesses furnish evidence or facts. You know, in the Greek, that word can even be, mean martyr, to lay down your life for that sake, which many of the apostles did. Um, so this is the front sight. This is the main thing in our lives. This is where our primary citizenship is at, is how can I be a witness? How can I testify? How can I furnish evidence uh, that the Bible is true, that God is real, that he transformed my life. How can I convey this message? Now, I go, let's go back to firearms training here, okay, and why this pertains to your dreams, your goals, your vocation in life. Because it's not enough to focus. Your primary focus is on the front sights. But there are also rear sights. Those have to be lined up with the front sights as you're aiming a firearm. And so your primary focus is on the front sight. The target is way down the road, and it is fuzzy. The rear sight is just slightly fuzzy. It's the second most important thing, though, is that those sights have to be lined up. You may, you may not give a rip about guns, but hear my point here, is that I'm saying that our primary goal in life, our primary focus, our front sights, is to be a witness, to furnish evidence, to testify uh, of the gospel. Uh, of Christ. But our second sights, the rear sights, is our vocation, our dreams, our goals. Now, our vocation isn't just our job, by the way. Uh, there's a great book on vocation. I'll do a series on vocation. I, I don't have it in front of me, the title. Um, but the, the, the author talks about the fact that our vocation is also our family. It's the things we do in life. Okay, but let's just bring it back to... Um, your job or, or your business or what you do. And uh, I, it makes me think about Paul, the tent maker. Did you know Paul was a tent maker? Many times um, in his ministry, uh, he worked as a laborer building tents. Now, I ask yourself, what kind of tent maker was Paul? His primary goal was to share the gospel, to build churches. That was his goal, to be a witness. But he had to work with his hands. As a matter of fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, verse 10, he said, We urge you, brothers and sisters, uh, to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Now, I ask you, when Paul was building tents, what kind of tent maker do you suppose he was? What kind of worker? What kind of laborer? How do you think he approached his job? Do you think he was the kind of tent maker that would use a phrase like, that's, my, that's not my job, when he was asked to do something outside of his primary role? Do you think he was always late for work? Do you think he talked behind the boss's back? Do you think he complained and murmured about his job conditions? Or do you think he tried to be the hardest, most diligent tent maker he could be so that his testimony wouldn't be discounted? That's my point. My friend, We this goes back to establishing credibility with people. So our front sights is obviously we should be focused on the gospel and how do I be a witness for it. The rear sights, if we're going to effectively return fire in this culture, is to be good at what we do. Good enough to gain an audience that are willing to listen to what we have to say. I think about, you know, when, when you think about sharing your testimony, okay, listen, I'm not trying to say there's only one way to do this, but our, our goal here 
is to follow the Lord and make disciples. Okay? So I've got a cousin. His name is Ricky, and he is awesome. And I love that dude. He has built a construction business, Ricky Chicalis Roofing, if you're interested. Also does siding and gutter work uh, in the Virginia Beach. Oh, the whole seven cities of Hampton Roads, by the way. There's a plug for Ricky. But uh, Ricky was dramatically saved. He was a drug addict. Man, what a testimony. And when he first got saved, he hand-wrote his testimony. And he uh, made photocopies of it, and he handed it out to everybody he could. And that's one way of doing it, and that's cool. But now today, many decades later, he has built, established a fantastic uh, roofing business, uh, man of integrity, generous man, he and his wife. Um, and, and now it's like Paul the tent maker, right? Now, because of his business connections, he can further share his testimonies at times. If he was a lousy roofer, if he ripped people off... Um, if he didn't do a good job, I was with him yesterday, as a matter of fact, I stopped by one of his job sites to see him while we were in town and he's using a, a metal magnet thing to sweep the yard and pick up any stray nails that could have fallen. It just kind of sucks the, the magnets out of the grass. He's cleaning up every, he's showing up the last one on the job after all of his laborers have done the roof. He's showing up to make sure that that roof was done right. Okay. He's working hard with his hands so that he can win the respect of outsiders. When you think about somebody like um, Tim Tebow, for example, I say his name and suddenly people want to listen. Why? Because Tim Tebow is good at sports. And that may be debatable with some of you, but he made a name for himself with his vocation. Yet he would tell you his primary goal in life is to bring glory to God. Yet he's good at what he does. This is why we've got to pursue excellence at whatever we put our hand to. Because if you are the one that's always late to work, if you are the one that does a lousy job at what you're, you're supposed to be doing, uh, nobody wants to hear what you have to say about life. You have, you have hurt your witness. And so we have got to be good at our vocation, whether we are running our, uh, a multi-million dollar business or we're a laborer on a job site, we're a musician, an artist, an actor, we're a burger flipper at the local McDonald's, we should pursue excellence. That means to excel above people's expectations. It doesn't mean you're going to be the best. Who can really say somebody is the best? That would mean we'd have to measure every human being that's ever done what you do and figure out who does it the best. No, we're called to be the best we can be at what we do. Sure, we're going to fail. We're going to fall down. We're going to make mistakes, but we correct those things the best that we can. Realizing that our primary goal is to somehow build a bridge to people and maybe through that bridge, I can plant a seed. Maybe I can say something. Maybe I can do something that testifies of God's faithfulness, that furnishes evidence of God's goodness, His grace. And so, when we line up our front sights, our main focus point, to be His witness with the rear sights, our secondary point of slightly blurred focus, our vocation, all while aiming at the eternal reward, the distant target that is out of focus. Paul said, we see through a glass darkly in this life. We are, when we do this, when we line those front sights up with the rear sights, we're poised to make an impact for 
God's glory. I hope that that makes sense. I mean, it's, you know, in, in a nutshell, we just need to be good tent makers at whatever we put our hand to. Matter of fact, the Word tells us um, that whatever we put our hand to, we're to work at it as working for the Lord, not for men. That we're, we're, we're to realize that ultimately, God is the one that has the power to exalt us, not our boss. And, and so we labor. And let me say this about that, that our life, our ministry has been one of constant convergence, pieces coming together. It, I met this person who connected me to this person who connected me to this opportunity, but every one of those connecting points was preceded by the opportunity to give up, to quit. This, my friends, is where the X factor comes into play, the Holy Spirit. It tells us in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in our hearts. That word rule is the Greek word umpire. Umpires blow the whistle when you break the rules and step out of bounds. And uh, <coughs> there's been many times when we were about to quit something, but the peace of God wouldn't let us. It, 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 we just knew we weren't supposed to do that yet. And we held on one more swing of the hammer or the bat, and, uh, and God connected us to the next point. Um, and so, how do we respond to all the shots to being taken in our society? We win the credibility, well, we win the respect of outsiders by being good at what we do. And then maybe we can have a voice. It's too easy to just post a, a sarcastic meme on social media or, listen, if your gig is to enter politics full-time or to form some sort of political group, um, th then so be it. I I'm not here to, to uh, tell you not to do that. I'm saying that most of us aren't called to do that. Uh, we're not called to, to just kind of play our whole hand at one time. Um, there may come a time when, when you've got to really just stand up and make a statement, but that's where it comes to smooth trigger press, which I'll talk about in the next uh, next episode. But we see this these things coming on our society. Um, just think about the society that Paul lived in. Um, we don't see Paul raging against the Roman government. Uh, we see Paul working hard with his hands to win the respect of outsiders. And we see Paul sharing the gospel when he had the opportunity to do so. And so that's what we need to be doing in the face of this, is sharing the truth as we have opportunity. But I think we decrease our opportunity to do that by being mediocre at the things that God has called us to put our hands to. I hope that helped. Um, kind of did it in a rush as we're getting ready to travel. Pray for us as we travel, I ask. And uh, stay tuned for episode three. Love to get some feedback on this, by the way. Um, you know, sometimes I can only see one side of things. I don't mind somebody calling out blind spots, so I'd appreciate it if you gave me some feedback. You can send that to marketlifeontheverge.com. Please don't post it publicly on my Facebook wall if you don't have to. <laughs> but anyway, God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Hope Signals. You can learn more about us at lifeontheverge.com. We're a completely donor-funded ministry that carries the good news to prisons around the United States. You can help us by sharing this podcast, by partnering with us with a tax-deductible gift at lifeontheverge.com, or by even talking to your leader or pastor about having us come and minister at your church or your business.